You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. So we are continuing our series called Much Fruit, and this series is all about the, the gifts of the Spirit. Nope, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it's about. I'm just, I'm just preaching here, that's all, don't worry. It's about the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> and uh, last weekend, we went through five of the fruit of the Spirit together out of the nine, and uh, our team did a wonderful job in our five for five. A lot of you were not here for, uh, for our five for five, and our team was wonderful there in Blairsville. Katie and Colin preached and did a great job. And, uh, and I am so grateful for all seven of our communicators that preached last weekend. They did a great job. And I would encourage you, go back and get caught up on that if you missed it, uh, because truly they did great taking five minutes on each of those fruit. It really will be helpful for you. Um, the series title comes from John chapter 15, and Jesus is talking to his followers. And he says this in verse five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So he says the key to producing much fruit is remaining in me. That's what he says. And this is important to him. He goes on to say, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. So when we produce much fruit, it's evidence of our discipleship, that we actually are followers of Jesus Christ. We tend to think much fruit is reserved for supernatural Christians, for people like pastors or missionaries or things like that. But but the truth is that Jesus' description of this is that anyone who is a follower of Jesus should be producing much fruit in our lives. And then he says, this brings great glory to my father. So the expectation from Jesus for us is that we will produce much fruit, that our lives will be abundant with the fruit of the spirit. And this is what the fruit of the spirit is according to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These are the fruits that should be produced in our lives, that should be evident in us. When people look at us, these are the things that should be born out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So today we're gonna take a few minutes and talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness. Um, The word that's used here for faithfulness is a word that's translated in scripture as, uh, in the Greek, as pistis. And um, it's the word that's translated for faith or faithfulness. Now, the interesting thing is uh, the Hebrew people looked at faith as one whole. We tend to define it in lots of different ways. In our Western English culture, um, we, we talk about faith and it can mean lots of different things in lots of different contexts. But, but for The first century church, they understood that faith and faithfulness were the same thing. They were linked together. Um, That that being a person of faith was not just about I attend church, but it was about our entire lives. So the definition of faith 
is this, conviction of the truth of anything. It's belief. I'm, I believe this to be true. So there's a conviction about something. It doesn't even have to be a true thing. It's just that we believe it's true. The second one is fidelity or faithfulness. And I love this because it's the character of the one who can be relied on. So if, if I am a person who is faithful, I am someone who can be relied on. I'm someone who can be trusted. I'm somebody who is faithful to do what I say I will do. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking to his followers and they kind of take a left turn and it says in verse five, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith, which is not an unreasonable prayer, seemingly. Hey, increase our faith. We, we wanna do what you do. We see you heal the sick. We wanna do that. Increase our faith. And listen to Jesus' response. He says this, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now this feels like he is saying, you don't have any faith. Which seems like a reasonable response because they're saying, hey, give us faith. But this isn't the case. They had faith. But what Jesus was saying here is even a tiny bit of faith makes a big difference because it's not about the level of our faith. It's about what we are putting our faith in. And, and if we have a tiny bit of faith put in the one who is faithful, then that's where the power lies. See, we, we tend to believe if I just have faith in faith, so when we're praying for someone to be healed, we'll, we'll hey, I'm believing, and if I believe enough and just, no, 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 it's not about me. It's about me believing even with a tiny bit of faith in the one who can do the things that I can't do. And, and Jesus is calling him out saying, wait a second, your motivation might be wrong here. We wanna do this cool stuff. We wanna go viral. We want a um, um, healing ministry. We want, I don't know what their motivation was, but they said, increase our faith. And we pray this prayer often. God, help me to believe for more. God, we need, I need a raise. God, help me to believe for the raise. God, I need a miracle in my marriage. Lord, I need, God, increase my faith. And this isn't a totally unreasonable prayer, but I wanna put it in context for you. Um, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts that he mentions in verse nine is the gift of faith. So the gift of faith is a supernatural gift um, that some people have to believe for the miraculous in ways that we normally don't, do not. And that is different than the fruit of faith. So it's sort of like this. There is the gift of generosity. And I've heard people say, well, I don't, I don't give to the church because I don't have the gift of generosity. It's like, no, 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 no. Everybody's expected to be generous. But then there are people who have a supernatural gift where that is what they are good at. That's what they love doing. But everybody's still expected to be generous. Um, so you're not excluded because you don't have the gift. Now, there's a gift of faith, but we all have faith. In fact, Scripture says we all have a measure of faith. And this is saving faith. This is the faith that God gives us that we have that allows us to trust Jesus. But we all have a measure of faith, but our faith should be 
developed. It should grow because this is what I want you to understand. Gifts are given, but fruit is cultivated. See, many of us, we want the gift of faith. We don't want cultivated faith. How many of you guys have gardens? A few of you? I do not have a garden. I'll tell you why. I'm not patient enough. I want, I, I want what I want to eat when I want to eat it. I don't want to wait three months. I, I don't want to buy a cow and grow it and feed it. And hey, in six months, I'll have a steak. No, I want a steak right now. So I'm going to drive to the store and I'm going to get a steak. I don't want to name it and love it and then kill it and eat it. Some of you do. You barbarians. I just want my steak right now. I like potatoes. I don't want to wait for potatoes to grow. I want my potatoes today, right now. And many of us approach God this way. We say, God, I want what I want. And I want it right now. God, give me more faith. And God goes, no, no, no. I'm not giving you the gift of faith. I'm trying to cultivate faith in you, but you're not allowing me to do it. I want to cultivate faith in you, but but you're, you're not trusting me. One of the things I've learned is that faith in leads to faithfulness too. Faith in leads to faithfulness too. Let me explain. Uh, uh, my favorite hobby right now is I've got a, an old 2001 Jeep Cherokee that I love. This is my baby. I, I've got faith in my Jeep. I have put a lot of hours working on it. Um, I, I enjoy it. And so I have faith in my Jeep. As a result, I've got faithfulness to my Jeep. I've already told my wife, um, I'm never getting rid of this Jeep. <laughs> uh, I don't care if I've got to take the engine out, put a new engine in. I don't care what I've got to do. Uh, it is rusting. It is going to return to planet Earth someday. It will fall apart and at some point. But until then, I'm being faithful to it because I've got faith in it. I believe it's going to run well. I believe it can take care of me because I take care of it. Now, here's the thing. My girls have no faith in my Jeep. <laughs> Emma is convinced that at any moment it will fly apart running down the road. The wheels are just going to be catapulted away, that the engine's just gonna fall from the bay and she is convinced. So she does not wanna drive the Jeep ever. So she is not faithful to my Jeep. I don't know why. My wife, a little more so than my daughter is. But the thing is, they don't have any faith in it. As a result of not having faith in it, they're not faithful to it. They don't care if I have it or not. They're not invested in it. They don't have any faith in it. Some of you have jobs like that. You've got a job and you don't feel cared for. You don't feel appreciated. You feel like a cog in the wheel. And because you don't have faith in your job, you're not very faithful to your job. You're looking for other jobs all the time. Uh, you call out whenever you feel like it or don't feel like it um, because you are only as faithful to your job as you feel like they are to you. But if you put faith in your job, you're more faithful to your job. This is one of the reasons we've got the greatest staff in the world. They have faith in our church and they are faithful to our church. Man, our staff's been around a long time. That's why Ricky's coming back because he loves our church. He loves you guys. Why? Well, because he's put faith in 
this organization. So he's faithful to this organization. This is the same in our marriage. Um, you put faith in your spouse and you'll be faithful to your spouse. See, I trust that my wife is capable and able by the, the grace of God to fulfill every need within the covenant of our marriage that God has called her to fulfill. If, if I don't have faith that she can do that, then it creates an, an attitude in my own heart where I don't need to be faithful. Well, I don't trust her because she's not looking out for me and now I can look to meet my emotional needs somewhere else. I can, I can look to have my physical needs met somewhere else because she's not being who I need her to be. But if I have faith in her, it creates faithfulness in me. And this is what God has for us. God wants us to be faithful and that begins with us having faith, with us saying, God, I trust you. God, I'm putting you first in my life. God, I believe you are who you said you are. So God, as a result, I want you to cultivate faithfulness in me. But here's the problem with that. Uh, we believe in Jesus, we just don't trust him very much. We believe in him. Most of you are sitting here in this room or, or in Blairsville or watching online because you believe in Jesus. But, but scripture actually tells us in James chapter two that demons believe in Jesus. It doesn't create transformation in them. Do you know why? Because they don't trust Jesus. They haven't put faith in Jesus. See, belief is not enough. We can believe. Oh, I believe he's the son of God. But do you trust him? And here's the thing. We don't see his trustworthiness until we trust him. See, some of us say, hey, Jesus, show me and I'll trust you. And Jesus says, no, trust me and I'll show you. God, if you just heal my marriage, I'd give you my whole life. And God says, if you give me your whole life, I'll heal your marriage. God, if you would bless me financially, then I'd start to give. And God goes, start to give and let me bless you financially. And let me help you understand this. This is not give to get. We don't do that. I don't believe in that. But what I do believe is when we begin to trust God, we will see how trustworthy he actually is. So there's a, a story in Matthew chapter 25 that I love. Um, Jesus, Jesus told a lot of stories and, and he was a master storyteller. And he was telling stories in Matthew chapter 25, trying to help people understand the kingdom of heaven. And he describes it this way in Matthew 25. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like uh, there's a wealthy man who's going on a long trip and he gathers together three of his servants and he says to them, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave you something to manage. Uh, I'm gonna leave five talents for you, number one. Number two, I'm leaving you two talents. And number three, I'm leaving you one talent. I need you to manage this for me while I'm away. And then he leaves. This is all it says. It doesn't say that he gave them instructions, anything like that. So the, the, first, the first servant, he takes the five and he invests it. And the second servant, he has two, he invests it. And the third servant, he has one and he buries it. And the master comes back. And he says, guys, I'm back from my long trip. Tell me what you did with my stuff. And, and this is important. This is, this is a really important thing for us to understand is that the master is going to ask us what we did with his stuff at some point. And this is what the master says. He said, what'd you do with my stuff? 
I gave you five, what'd you do with it? And he said, master, I got good news. I invested it, I doubled it. Like, great. In fact, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So he identifies him as faithful in this moment. He says, you have been faithful in little, enter into the joy of your master. So what he's saying here is, your faithfulness has brought me joy. He goes, the second one, same thing. What'd you do with it? He said, hey, good news, I doubled it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. We see the same thing. And we get to the third servant and he says this. He says, what did you do with my stuff? What did you do with what I gave you? He said, master, I got good news for you. I didn't lose any of it. I still have it all. And the master was not thrilled with this. And it's easy to look at this and go, well, he didn't give him very much. He only gave him one talent. But let me help you understand this. Uh, generally speaking, a talent was worth about 20 years of income for the average laborer. So 20 years of income is what he had to manage. The, the servant who was faithful, um, he had 100 years of income to manage. And it actually says that the master appointed this to them based on based on their abilities, based on their trustworthiness. He knew he could trust one more than the other. So he gave him more to manage. So this one says, I buried it. I, I didn't lose any of it. And the master wasn't happy. In fact, he says, you wicked, lazy servant. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. Why didn't you at least put it in the bank and get some interest? 0.01%. <laughs> Some of you that work at banks, you need to do something about that, by the way. You could have at least gotten me some interest, but you didn't. You just buried it in the ground. And since you buried it in the ground, it didn't produce anything. And this is the rub because the master expects production. The master is expecting fruit, if I can say it that way. And not just a little fruit, he is expecting much fruit. And the servant thought, I'm doing this right. I'm playing this safe. I'm not going to lose any of his money. And so because I don't, I don't want to take a risk, because if I take a risk, I might lose it. But the first two servants took risks. It, they risked what the master gave them. And the master was still pleased with them because they were willing to risk it for much fruit. See, some of us have been playing it safe for so long with the kingdom of God. That, that, that someday I feel like there are gonna be some disappointed people when, when we have this conversation with God because I, I want you to understand there's two judgments. There's a judgment for unbelievers. So we'll stand before God and they'll say, what did you do with my son? Did you receive him or not? Did you accept him as Lord or not? And those who do will go to heaven and those who do not will go to hell. And then there's a second judgment for believers where, where God will say, what did you do with what I gave you? And so many of us are gonna say, I didn't lose anything. I, I buried it, but, it, but I, I didn't lose anything. And we're gonna be so disappointed. In fact, <clears throat> in this passage, after he calls him a, a wicked, lazy servant, he, he gives instructions and he says, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. The one who doesn't produce anything, he actually says, cast him into the outer darkness, which is symbolic of hell. He calls him a worthless servant. Why? Because he played it safe and didn't produce anything. 
Now, I want you to go back before you feel pressure. How do we produce much fruit? By remaining in Jesus. You don't have to put more effort in. You don't have to go, okay, now I'm gonna produce fruit. All you have to do is say, I'm going to remain in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna allow him to be the filter for my life. I'm gonna allow him to be the center point, the North Star. Everything in my life revolves around Jesus Christ. And because he is first in my life, I'm gonna produce fruit. But when we look at this, this worthless servant, this lazy, wicked servant, what we see is he wasn't faithful. See, the first two servants, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the evidence of their faithfulness was that they produced much fruit. But for many of us, <clears throat> I'll just give you an example. I, I talk to pastors and churches all the time and trying to help them and get healthier and grow and develop and just better cultures, things like that. And one of the things I will tell them is one of the biggest mistakes churches make is we will, we will put people in leadership positions simply because they show up. Well, they're faithful. What does that mean? Well, they're here every Sunday. But are they giving you their best effort? Well, I mean, I don't know. Is your department growing? Is it, is it doing the things you want it to do? No, but they're here every week. And you, so they call faithfulness showing up. And, and, and I want us to take this definition away from the word faithfulness. That is not what faithfulness is. <clears throat> faithfulness is not showing up. Now that's part of being faithful, being consistent, being reliable, but that is incomplete. Think about it this way. Some of us have applied this definition to our marriage. Well, I'm faithful, I haven't divorced my wife. Well, I'm faithful, I haven't cheated on my wife. Does that really mean you're faithful? If you're showing up, but you're only given a 25% effort? See, true faithfulness means I'm gonna do whatever I can to make my situation better. The, the servants we just looked at, this wasn't even their money, but they said, I'm gonna do everything I can to create profit for my master. And what we need to do is show up to every situation and say, I'm gonna do everything I can to create value and profit for the people around me. When I show up to my marriage, faithfulness is not, well, we're gonna be married for 50 years and then one of us is gonna die and then that's gonna be it. No, Faithfulness in marriage is I'm gonna show up every single day and I'm gonna give my very best and I'm going to create value and profit for my spouse. This is what it should be. But, but we have hijacked faithfulness in the church and made it while well, they show up. Oh, they're so faithful to church. They show up once a month. They're here all the time, like clockwork. Is that what faithfulness is? We show up to church? See, faith leads to faithfulness. If we believe in our marriage, it's gonna to lead to faithfulness to our marriage. If we believe in the church, it's gonna to lead to faithfulness in the church. If we believe in God, have faith in God, it's gonna to lead to faithfulness in God. There's a couple in our church that I love, sitting on the front or second row over here, um, that, I don't know, a while back, they came to me and said, Hey, would you do our marriage for us? Would you do our wedding? And I didn't, I didn't know them real well at the time. And I get asked a lot. I, I get asked to do a lot of weddings. And I don't do most of them because most of them I will say, are you members? And a lot of times they'll say no. And I go, well, okay. Typically I don't do weddings for members, uh, for non-members, only members. And they said, well, what do you have to do to become members? And I said, okay, here's what you gotta do. And, um, and I just wanna show you a little bit of their story. So take a look. 
We've been coming to Summit for about two years now. Uh, we were getting married in June, we got engaged in August, and I think that really kick-started us uh, to have that urge to start to get more involved. Uh, we'd been coming to church here for a while, and, and we knew that we wanted Pastor Mel to marry us, and also at the same time, we had been talking to each other already about things like small groups and serving in kids, and when we talked to Pastor Mel about marrying us, he had really encouraged us to do those things further. In December, we started doing growth track, and from there, we started to serve in Summit Kids, and then we joined a small group. We love serving at Summit Kids because uh, the opportunity to just engage uh, with, the, with the kids and, and watch their faith grow uh, as well as ours. Um, I think a lot of people think you're just dropping off your kids and, and it's just like a daycare and we're just watching over them, but really these kids are actually going in, they're engaging with the Word. I mean, they're answering questions. We couldn't believe the, some, of the, some of the questions they're answering about the Bible that, and the stuff that they understand. And, it's truly a beautiful thing to be a part of. I mean, every week we have kids raising their hand, uh, saying they want to devote their life to Christ. And it's, it's really an amazing thing to be a part of. And I'm so glad that we're part of that process. We joined a small group, and it was for 20 and 30 year olds. And it just allowed us to be in community um, with others. And it also allows us to share the word and get other people's opinions. We were able to talk to a lot of a lot of different people in our age that go to this church who we never really would have had a conversation with if we if we wouldn't have joined the group and we really got to make great relationships with them and, and learn a lot about their testimonies things we prayed about last week we come back and we hear about these positive things happening and all these beautiful things that God is doing um, because of that work so we used to just go to church and walk out the doors and now we go to church and we run into so yeah, many people yeah. that we, we can't get out of here because there's so many to, yeah. yeah so we've definitely seen the fruit coming from small group i think it was really important for us to step out of our comfort zone once we started serving and, and once we joined a small group um, it, everything that you see that's so beautiful in that room, it's, it's out here too. And in and, and those rooms and some of kids and in and, and the rooms in your small group as well, everyone can just experience that outside of just the church. And, and I think it's a great way to make community and join a, a team to uh, really praise God. I loved what Marielle said, she said um, that, it's, that we're really seeing fruit. And I love that because that's the goal is for us to produce fruit in our lives and let the Holy Spirit work in and through us. And, um, and these guys were Christians, they were going to heaven, but they, their faith has grown since they've done these things. And you guys think I'm just trying to trick you. We just need more kids workers. So get to growth track, please help us, right? And you should help in kids' ministry, it's great. But here's the thing, um, it's not for us, it really is for you. So th the first weekend, so we had talked and I was in the East Lobby after church and um, I'm standing there talking to people on their way out and I look over and coming out of the kids' wing is, is Matthew and Mariel. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we're helping in kids. I was like, awesome, and I was a little, I was like, how'd it go? Because that's not for everybody. 
And it's awesome. Oh, it was so much fun. And the kids, and they just went through. We get to serve together, and these kids, and they just tell me stories. And I said, well, that's great. Have you guys found a small group? And they go, yes, we found a small group. And I said, whose small group are you? And they told me the small group leader. And I was like, I love that small group. That's great. I'm so glad you connected. And they're just telling me stories about people they've met and relationships. And what I'm seeing is fruit being produced in their lives. And this is what I want for you and it's not for people that are just awesome at their faith. It's for all of us. Hudson Taylor said this. He said, God is not looking for men of great faith. He's looking for common men to trust his great faithfulness. See, all we have to do is trust in the faithfulness of God. And, and that's really hard for us. But God's faithfulness essentially is his perfect loyalty and his consistency because he is perfectly loyal and he is consistent. It's him being true to his name and his character and his word. And this is something that is fundamentally a part of his, his nature. That's part of who God is, that he is faithful by definition. He can't not be faithful because of who he is. But we struggle with it because we've been hurt, we've been disappointed. We've seen heartache and failure come our way and we go, God, I can't trust you because if, if you were good, if you were trustworthy, if you were faithful, you would have shown up when I went through my loss, when I went through my heartache, whatever it is. But we fail to see that God was with us through all that. He just might not have been with us the way we wanted him to be. God, you didn't answer my prayer. You're not good, but God is good. And we don't always understand why he didn't answer prayers, why he didn't show up the way we wanted him to. There's an old hymn of the church. In fact, we're gonna sing this song in just a minute. But it's called, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Some of you know it. Uh, for some of you, it's a brand new song that you've never heard before. <laughs> and I'm not gonna read all the lyrics to you, but I wanna read a few of them to you. It says, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. And one of the key thing, themes of this song is that God doesn't change. And I love the language when he says, there is no shadow of turning with thee. What he's saying is, um, just like if you spend some time outside, you're gonna see the shadows get longer and longer and longer as the sun begins to move through the sky. And the reason the shadows change is because the earth is rotating on its axis and the earth is um, moving around the sun. So there's constant change. Even though the sun is, is fixed where it is in space, we are constantly changing and moving. And, and what the writer of this song is saying is, there is no shadow of turning with you. What he's saying is, God, you are constant you are reliable, you are faithful, you never change, you never move, you're there all the time. And the chorus says, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see, all I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Every morning there's new mercies. I've got everything I need because you provided it for me. Great is thy faithfulness. Verse two, the first line says, summer and winter and springtime and harvest. And I love this because what he says is, seasons will change, but God does not. The seasons of my life will change, things will change, friendships will change. Um, unfortunately, 
People's lives will end. Relationships will end. Jobs will end. But God's still faithful. God is still good. God is still constant. In spite of all the change in my life, God doesn't change. The seasons may change, but God does not change. And third verse says, pardon for sin and peace that endureth. And what he's saying is no matter what it is I need, whether it's something eternal like sin or whether it's something that's just in the here and now, like I've got situational anxiety, there's something going on in my life, God can provide peace for me. No matter what it is in my life that I need, God is faithful. Now, he didn't write this in a vacuum. I think God inspired these lyrics, but he, he leaned heavily on scripture. And one of the scriptures he leaned on was in Lamentations chapter three. And we don't read from Lamentations very much. Uh, we're actually gonna do a few weeks in the book of Lamentations later this year. But in Lamentations chapter three, the prophet Jeremiah is writing and he writes this in verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. And I love this passage. And it is impactful, but it it hits our hearts differently when we look at it in context. Because if we look at it in context, uh, the prophet Jeremiah had shown up to Jerusalem, his hometown, and he is surveying the damage and destruction of this city he loves. And he's looking at the buildings being torn down and, and decimated and just the, the morale of the city destroyed. And he's looking at this and he knows that not only could God have prevented it, but God actually brought judgment on the people. And he still acknowledges that it was in accord with God's love and his goodness. And so let me read the verses that are preceding the verse we just read. Lamentations 3.19. This is what Jeremiah says. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. Make no mistake, he is not sugarcoating this. He says, God, what I am dealing with is painful, it stinks, and I don't like it. He goes on to say, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And there are some of you that could have written that line. I, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve my loss. Whether that's the loss of a job or a loved one or a marriage or a dream or a child, I don't know what it is, but you have been in this moment. And then listen to what he says next. He says, yet... I still dare to hope when I remember this. He says, in spite of what I'm dealing with and going through, in spite of my circumstances, in spite of my feelings, what my heart is telling me, here's what I know. Here's why I still dare to hope in the face of hopelessness, because I can remember that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And I want you to know, no matter what you are dealing with or going through, God is faithful. And when he calls us to faithfulness, it's an invitation to look like him. I'm proud of my girls. 
I told them last night we were talking, and I said, girls, I'm so proud of you. And both of my girls feel called to ministry. Both of them are, are Abby is moving into that right now, um, becoming a missionary. Emma feels called to pastor. And I'm so proud of them because they love what I love. They love God. They, they love the, the local church. They love God enough. They go, hey, God, whatever you want to do with my life. And that makes me proud because they look like Kim and I. They love what we love. And I think when we say to God, God, um, I'm gonna put my faith in you and I want you to, to cultivate faithfulness in me. God, I'm gonna trust you and I believe you're gonna prove how trustworthy you are. I think God delights in that because we look like him. We love what he loves. We, we trust, we believe we say, God, develop faithfulness in us. Charles Spurgeon said this, the glory of God's faithfulness is that no sin of ours has ever made him unfaithful. There's nothing you could do, no distance you could run that ever caused God to be unfaithful to you. He loves you, he is for you. If you've been hurt, it's not by God. It's impossible because God is faithful. Right now, I wanna turn it over to our hosts there in Blairsville. They're gonna close out our time. They'll give you a chance to respond. I love you guys more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. So today, as we look at what we've talked through, there's really two things I wanna challenge you with. The first is this. Maybe you've been somebody who's religious. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you would define faithfulness the way I defined it earlier, we show up. And as a result, you feel like, I'm, I'm good, I go to church sometimes. But maybe in the course of our conversation today, you recognize, okay, but I haven't really put my faith in Jesus. I haven't really trusted him. And maybe you're scared to, maybe you're scared to take a risk because you've never seen how trustworthy he is. You go, God, if you just show me, then I would. That's not how this works. We put our faith in Jesus. He develops faithfulness in us and then we see how faithful he actually is. Maybe you're a believer, but you recognize um, <laughs> I've defined God's faithfulness the way we define it many times in our world. That he's gonna show up, but he's only gonna give 25%. God, I know you're here, but are you gonna give your best effort? And I want you to know, our God always gives his best effort. There's never a time he goes halfway. There's never a time he's not really paying attention, doesn't see you. He sees you, he knows you. He's giving you his best. So if that belief has led to disappointment in your life, I'm just gonna pray for healing for you, restoration for you that you'd see how faithful our God actually is. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your goodness. God, I don't know why you're faithful to people like us that do not deserve your faithfulness and your goodness. God, I wanna thank you for it. Thank you for being with me every step of the way, every mistake, 
every failure, every disappointment. God, you're there. God, thank you for your provision, for your blessing, for your goodness. All this is part of your faithfulness. So God, I thank you for it. God, I pray, number one, for those that don't know you, let today be the day that their eyes are open, that they are awakened to your goodness and your kindness and your love and your faithfulness. And I pray that that truly would draw us to you. God, I pray for those that maybe question your faithfulness. Maybe they've been hurt and disappointed. They've experienced loss. I pray, God, we would be reminded of your great faithfulness. And I pray that as we are faithful to you, God, you would build that in us. God, we would be people of great faith, not believing for miracles and that kind of way, but God, people that are consistent, people that are loyal, people that are reliable in the kingdom of heaven. God, reliable in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, reliable in our goodness that's shown really your goodness through us. So God, help us to be those kind of people. God, it only happens as we remain in you. So God, help us to be people that are faithful to remain in you today. Now, nobody's looking around. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you'd like, you realize I need Jesus. I need some things to change. Um, I need to put my faith in the one who is faithful. I wanna pray for you. If you'd like to be included in that prayer to, to put your faith in Jesus Christ today, truly, to take a risk and trust him, to see his faithfulness displayed to you. If, if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, would you put your hand up real high where I can see it? Yeah, thank you. A couple hands here in the center section over on my left, a couple hands, thank you. Who else would say that's me? Yeah, up in the balcony, thank you, sir. Anyone else, just a few more seconds. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven, but the reality is I've been disappointed. <clears throat> I haven't always seen the faithfulness of God, but I, I want to. And I want God to cultivate my faith so I can become a person of faithfulness, so I can see his faithfulness. I need God to heal some disappointments and some hurts. If that's you, would you put your hand up real high where I can see you? Yeah, yeah, all over the place, lots of hands. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray first of all for those that just raised their hands and said they have some hurts they need healed. They have some disappointments in their life, God. If, if God, we have carried in some bitterness towards you, some, some unforgiveness, some disappointment, God, I just pray healing in our hearts. I pray wholeness in this house today. I pray your blessing on those that have been disappointed, that, that expected one thing and they felt like you did not show up, that you weren't faithful. God, I pray that you would put your faithfulness on full display in their lives, that you'd open their eyes to your goodness, the times where you showed up, the rays of sunlight that you've dropped into their darkness. Lord, I pray that you would help them see that and be reminded of your goodness and faithfulness. God, I pray for healed and whole hearts in the name of Jesus. Now, I'd like everybody in the place, whether you raised your hand for the first invitation or not, I want you to, to pray this prayer with me. 
Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. And so we're gonna say this prayer together. And really what this prayer is, is a, is a prayer of invitation for Christ to, to help us be faithful. So I'm gonna give you the words to say, but this is your prayer. So I want you to pray this with me. Everyone's gonna pray this out loud. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness toward me. Thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, I commit to live my life for your glory. I've been unfaithful in the past, but from this day forward, I choose to remain in you. Help me produce much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, scripture says you're a new creation. Here's what we'd like you to do. Um, you do one of two things. You can either fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you and then take it to our next step table out in the front lobby. Uh, when we finish here in just a moment, one of our pastors is gonna be there. We would love the opportunity to talk to you and help you take the next step in your faith journey. The other thing you can do is if you'd prefer, you can simply text Summit PA to the number 94,000. Let us know about your decision uh, by selecting the prompt that says salvation. When you do that, we're gonna respond back to you, but I would still strongly encourage you, even if you do that, stop by the next step table out in the lobby. Let us talk to you and help you take the next step in your faith journey. Hey, um, do me a favor. We had a lot of stuff on the front end today, but, but do me a favor, don't leave yet. Um, usually this last song is a corporate song of worship and we will sing together. And uh, you certainly can sing during our final song, but this old hymn of the church, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Um, I want this to be a song of reflection for us because many of you, overlook the, many of us, I'll say it this way, overlook the daily faithfulness of God, how good he is to us and how faithful he is. And so during this last song, our prayer team's gonna be available. We'd love to pray for you no matter what your need is. But while we're singing, if you wanna stand, if you wanna kneel at your seat, if you wanna come down here to the front and kneel, um, if you wanna move out on the side and just get alone, whatever you wanna do, but we just wanna take a few minutes as we sing this final song together and meditate and reflect on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And if you do need prayer, our prayer team's gonna be available. They're here. We'd love to pray for you no matter what your need is. So if you'd like, you can stand. If you wanna stay seated, feel free to do so. But let's worship God together in this final song. Guys, I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have an awesome day. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.